about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. Welcome to the Four Horsemen Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm joined by the most interesting man in the world, Steve. How are you today, bud? I don't know about most interesting, but laziest. I think I could definitely take that title. Uh, doing well. I, we are seven weeks into the football season. I have yet to see one of my football teams lose. Great mood today. How about yourself, bud? Um, it's been a tale of two cities for me. Um, <laughs> as some of you may know, I'm, a, I'm an Irish Cowboys fan. So Notre Dame's great. And then the Dallas Cowboys have been the definition of hell. I think it's just just awful there. So um, I've been doing fine, working on some school. You know how it is, life stuff. Um, but how about those Irish, eh? 45 to 3, we absolutely demolish the Pitt Panthers. Um, what are your first takeaways from that? Because for me, it was quite surprising. I had four takeaways <clears throat> as I, I watched the rewatched the condensed game. Uh, so four takeaways that I thought immediately after checking all that out. First, uh, the coaching staff and the coordinators have recognized what has needed improvement, and they instantly addressed it. And they have been addressing it on a week-to-week basis. Basically, every single time you and I come onto this podcast on a Sunday night and we talk about everything to get you know instant reaction, here's how the game went, here's where we thought we were good, here's where we thought we were bad, let's improve on that. And every single week it seems like they're adjusting and, and making the, the, the important steps to make sure they're a more well-rounded football team. So that is great from the coaching staff. And – into the next point, you could even kind of make this a part two of the first point, which is a willingness to adapt, you know, willingness to, on the fly. You know, if you got the run game cooking, just let, you know, let the boys run, let that dog hunt. Uh, if not, then you, know, you switch it up. And, and again, thankfully, we're a pretty well-rounded football team, all things considered, especially on the offensive side of the ball to make those adjustments. My third thought, Michael Mayer has an NFL ready body. Now, whether you know mentally he has the mentality of it, or you know if, if he's you know tough enough over the course of long term, who knows? Uh, but for sure, I mean he he is a absolute dude. He literally looks like Gronk out there. I know that he uh, he was obviously called Baby Gronk, but the way he was carrying the football after he caught the ball and was able to get upfield, man, he is good. My fourth and final takeaway from that game: if we can get the ball into the hands of our position players, whether it's backs or wide receivers or tight ends in open space, we are going to win the game against Clemson Ooh. because the, the issue is getting the ball there, right? The issue is, is opening up the, you know, the, the offensive line, opening the holes for us to run through or for the offensive line to give book the time to go through his reads, make the progressions and then hit the open receiver or, the ability for Ian book, obviously, as we have been a bit critical of him to, to set his feet and actually see the open receiver to make the play. Now, if, if we can get any combination of those three going, if we can get at least two of those three things happening in the game against Clemson, if we can get the ball into open field, uh, you know, our, our 
guys are just fantastic at, at downfield blocking. And we have, you know, we have the skill position players with the speed, the agility, the, the ball carrying vision. But, you know, I, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, the, the Javon McKinley throwback play. Right when he caught that pass, if you when you saw all those guys, these including the offensive line, get to the second level and just start taking bodies out, and what should have been maybe a seven eight yard gain for a first down turns into something like thirty forty yards. Like, oh man, that excited me so so much. So that's those are my initial takeaways. And I know I don't usually go list by list, but that was while I was watching the recap, I was like, you know what, I. Ooh, this is a pretty damn good pit defense. Their offense was abysmal, but we we really put on a clinic there, and it was exciting to see. Yeah, I think that's really well said. You you clearly did your homework here, uh, you <laughs> did your research. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's an inside joke, I guess. Um, uh-huh. Irish moved to five and zero. We're fourth in the AP now. We actually slid down because of Ohio State having officially played a game. Bullshit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I, I I understand it, but I'm not one for liking the Buckeyes too much. Something I want to ask you if you've heard anything about, and this was, I think, perhaps the biggest takeaway for the game, is Braden Lindsay okay? Have you heard anything? Because he left that game with an injury. Yeah, I haven't seen anything yet, and and frankly, I'm just. M- more so happy that Tommy Tremble didn't break his fucking arm going through the back of the end zone on the miss uh, Kyron yes. Williams pass. He mm-hmm. looked like that was like concrete or something. He slipped, he fell. He was, he was in the next play or he was, he was in on that series to finish it out. He finished out the game. Thank God, because that could have turned our entire season upside down against superior competition against inferior teams. We would still be okay against superior teams. You know, we think in Clemson and then onward to the playoff, if that's in play, we're going to need his blocking ability. Um, Lindsay haven't seen anything yet, but it really sucks if that is something that's permanent. Hopefully it was just a tweak. Yeah, I, I heard it could be an issue with scar tissue and not the hamstring itself, which would mean uh, a short a short timeout. Um, obviously, Kevin Austin, uh, the news comes out before the game that he's out for the season. He, re- he rebroke his foot, which is devastating because we desperately need athletic receivers to get open because that is the one issue I, I do fear when we get into the big games against you know Clemson and perhaps the ACC title game and perhaps the college football playoff is how are we going to break away from good defenses, um, at least throwing the ball? Because you can have the best quarterback in the world unless you have some some separation. It's going to be very difficult. Um, so that's one to monitor for sure. Um, Braden Lindsay's future is, is so important because he's such a dynamic player on both the jet sweeps, on the slants, uh, out wide. He's uh, We haven't connected with Lindsay downfield yet this season, but you can see that the, the idea is there. Um, so how about, uh, you know, I'll just give you my perceptions of the game um, as kind of just the game recap for, for you guys. Um, three interceptions on defense. That's the first thing I could think of. The turnover games here. That was the big thing last year. We led the country in turnover margin. We're starting it up this year. It was a little slow, but, man, our linebackers do a better job of getting their head around the ball and playing it than our corners and our safeties do. It makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> because as uh, as Michael pointed out, um, if uh, if Sean sixth year senior Crawford, and that's not even the exaggeration, that's he's been here six years. Um, if he if he gets his head up on that first big play that Pitt uh, capitalized on, that's a pick. So three interceptions as a whole makes me feel a lot better. Uh, the blocked punt at the end of half was amazing. Uh, you go up twenty eight to three. That's a real kick in their 
kick in their groin. Um, I thought that was pretty pretty exciting to see that even the special teams guys get on the things because that's been a I think a weakness for us um, over the years. Um, but let's just talk about defense for a moment. We gave up two rushing yards in the entire first half and a 44 total, and that's including the garbage time when our backups were in. Is that not mind-blowing to you? How do you give up two rushing yards? Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And and their their strength was definitely not their rushing game. You know, their their strength had been their passing game. And and you know, you throw in the caveat that we did in fact play um, you know, their their backup quarterback, but even still for us to just be clogging everything up and there was a couple of toss plays where they tried to get outside and our guys were just hunting them down. We are just so damn fast and it's it's great to see. Yeah, that's the big improvement, I think, from these Kelly defenses to previous eras of defenses under Kelly is the speed we've added at linebacker. Um, on the D-line, even, you see Isaiah Foskey just hunt people down. Um, you see it in the secondary. Um, so uh, that's that's pretty exciting, and I think um, this defense is really going to take us all the way because if I recall correctly, um, and we'll talk a little bit about this later with the preview, but Notre Dame is second in the country behind Marshall, so it doesn't even really count, hmm. in terms of points allowed. Uh, and it's very similar for yards allowed among teams who've played one game, at least one, or more than one game at least. So that defense is is absolutely elite. It's something we've been saying all year. It's something the data shows. It's what we told you guys not to worry about after the Florida State game. You know, it's uh, it, it's it's a strong point of the team. My only concern with it is... We have a weakness, a little, a little chink in the armor, um, in terms of explosive plays. This happened twice against Pitt. It's happened a few other times. Um, when you stretch our corners out long, uh, you can you can get some big plays on them. And a lot of the times, it's just miraculous catches. But it's happened almost every game now. And this is, you know, I don't want to talk about Michigan ever, but this is an issue Don Brown, Don Brown's defense has uh, at Michigan is. Explosive plays. That's how you beat Michigan, is by going over the top in man-on-man coverage. And that's something I'm starting to get concerned about, at least with regard to Clemson. So, do you have any thoughts on the defense? Right, building right off your last point. Yes. Uh, I'm not loving that we, eventually, uh, on occasion, get a 50-50 ball down the sidelines. But I think it's also really, really indicative that there's been nothing over the middle at all. Can you think of a, lo- a long play that's been happened in the middle of the field past 10, 15 yards downfield? Their you know, teams are terrified to test Hamilton and Crawford in the middle of the field. So they'll go after McLeod uh, on, on the sideline a- along with uh, whoever else is playing corner at the time. And we've kind of had a, a bit of a rotation. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not ideal giving up the occasional play, but all things considered, we gave up like 118, yard, 118 passing yards. So uh, pretty, it, it, it's, if you have one or two, it, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. If it, if it happens several times in the same drive or several times in the same game on the same player, that's when I think I'm going to get a little bit more concerned for now. I'll just say, you know what, you know, 50, 50 ball. There, there's a reason they are called 50, 50. So it's okay. Yeah. I, I think that's a fair point too. I'm not, I'm not overly concerned, but with mm-hmm. Clemson around the corner, it's, it's something to just keep an eye on. Uh, yeah. but to finish up the game recap here, Yardage was a blowout, 434 for the Irish to 162 for Pitt. Um, Pitt only, and this was a miraculous, I thought, they averaged 3.6 yards per passing attempt. That's not even a slant route. They're averaging <laughs> less 
than basically a bubble screen. You know, that's I, I thought that was just phenomenal in terms of how scared they are to test Notre Dame. Uh, and that goes to what you were saying, especially down the middle, right? I'm not throwing anywhere near Kyle Hamilton. Um, but, you know, that it only helps our defense that way because we know that's where um, you're concerned, at least as uh, when it comes to the big games, is you don't want them passing on you. So that's good. Um, Notre Dame converted 61% of third downs. That's something just to always monitor uh, because the difference between winning and losing games can be extending drives or not. Um, our run game wasn't perfect. Um, just to let you guys know, we averaged 2.3 uh, yards per attempt uh, on a rush. And that goes to show that as good as our offensive line has been and as good as our running backs have been, you cannot rely on the run game. If you guys are thinking we're going to go into the Clemson game beating them on the ground, it's not happening. No. It's not happening. You're going to have to use book. You're going to have to use your receivers. You're going to have to use your tight ends. I don't care who steps up. You know, Put Tommy Trumbull out as a slot receiver, whatever you got to do. Running the ball isn't going to be the way to beat Clemson and uh, unfortunately you could see in the pit game when you come up against an elite defensive line you're not averaging nine yards per carry anymore and that's that's something I think Notre Dame fans need to need to realize um, but basically backups in the fourth quarter it was garbage time uh, for the most part this was an absolute blow probably one of the most thoroughly dominant games I've seen from the Irish against a, a power five team and Pitt's not a bad team we talked about that last week Yes, we got their backup quarterback, but that's good defense we put up 45 on. So I'll ask you this. Is your concerns, is your fears at ease now with regard to Notre Dame and the offense, given the performance against a superior pit defense to Louisville's? Oh, for sure. Um, it, it, it definitely kind of vindicates the quote-unquote one-off conversation that we had in regards to our stinker we had against Louisville. Um, if that ends up being the one stinker that we have this year, like we, we tend to have every year, it is what it is and let's just move past it. But this was definitely a huge improvement. Like I mentioned at the, at the top, um, you know, coaching staff adjusted book seems like he was ready to take a little bit more chances downfield and he was rewarded for it. And that's awesome. And, and hopefully that's, you know, positive reinforcement for him going forward. Just, just like, you know, you have six, three Ben score you have, I think six, two, six, three Javon McKinley, you have those unbelievable beast tight ends and and let's get the running backs in the passing game too i mean those guys can scat once they get into open field and again if you can get them in open field we're talking massive chunk plays so yeah i mean i'm i'm definitely feeling better about this um it, it would have been nice to have a comparable game result while also playing their first uh qb if kenny pickett had played i would have felt 10 times better than what i feel but all things considered uh, I'm I'm feeling in a pretty damn good mood after watching that blowout. Yeah, I think that's well said. I mean, the defense was excellent. The offense was excellent. I thought coaching for the most part was pretty good. Um, there were some issues um, with some drives and some cowardly calls. I'm not going to pretend this was a perfect game from either Tommy or, or Brian um, because I know them that well. I can use their first names. Um, <laughs> But um, it, for the most part, this was a pretty good game, pretty dominant. And I think if we put up another performance like that against Georgia Tech, I will feel pretty good heading into Clemson. How about yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think this will be th – this has the makings of the trap game, obviously. So if if we can be focused – we're on the road in Atlanta, right? Yes. Okay. So we're heading down to Atlanta. I used to live in Atlanta for six months. Um, cool town. Didn't like my job there, <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, 
if if we can replicate in any capacity what we did this past week, this upcoming week, then I'm definitely going to be feeling pretty well, and especially if we can focus and and not get trapped into this. Yeah, that's that's the main concern, right? So how about how about we give our four horsemen of the game here? Because uh, I think we've talked it. Unless you have anything else you want to get into with what with regard to what you saw, because. Yeah. I thought um, I thought it was just such an excellent game. Not much to to really dive into. So I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, yeah. So Ben Skrowarnik, obviously, he had his career day. Two touchdown catches. One was a long one. I think seventy three yards. You know, it, if and that if that can build Book's confidence of getting the ball out on the boundary, throwing fifty fifty balls. Let's let's do it. Let's keep this ball rolling. You know, you ha- again. We've said. I, I think this was more of a lesson that we need to let Book cook. You know, and, and we've been saying all year, just unleash the guy, let him take the chances. And if you throw a pick, you throw a pick, but geez, you know, give yourself the opportunity. And and he did. And he got the ball to Skoronek, who had a great game. Um, so he's our first horseman. Second horseman, I would throw out to Ian Book himself. Did uh, obviously what we expected him to do. He did miss a couple plays where there's some open receivers that you know you can nitpick, you can do this, that, the other thing. At the very, at a minimum, it's a B plus at at you know performance. I I would even venture into say A minus A. Uh, you know, obviously not an A plus, but we don't need him to be A plus. We need him to be B plus or better against any strong competition, and we are going to win that football game. That's it. That's hands down. And he he played great. Uh, he tried to keep his his you know his pocket going he tried to move around he in a couple times he didn't exactly scramble immediately he kept his his you know eyes upfield so he did what we needed him to do managed the game incredibly well and then also had some great baller moments so you know hats off to to bookie there um then i'm going to go with mike meyer uh i'm just so impressed with the guy i mean he's he's just incredible um, you know, he had the touchdown catch. He had a couple of huge first down catches. You know, you get, again, you get him into the open field. He's a hard, hard man to tackle. He is a grown ass man, you know, and, and he's a 26 year old NFL tight end stuck in an 18 year old's body. And it's exciting to watch, man. <laughs> and, did you uh, see, and the, uh, the Gronkowski video, I did not. Oh, you got to watch this dude. Um, Rob Gronkowski FaceTimes Michael Mayer and, uh, I won't spoil it. You got to watch it on your own. It's fantastic. If you guys haven't I assume it's on Twitter. Yeah, it's on Twitter. Um, Absolutely recommend it. It was beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I can't wait to watch that as soon as we're we're wrapped up here. Um, And then uh, the first uh, first star, I'm going to go with the Joker again. And what else is there to say that we don't haven't already said? He's incredible. He's an athletic specimen. He's a freak. He's all over the field, week in, week out. Easily the defensive MVP of the year already. I'm calling it. It, now five games in because it's that apparent and man is he special uh now people have been you know, on the broadcast they were saying he's talked himself up into a top 20 prospect we know he start he started the year as like the number 32 guy possibly even getting into the top 15 you know you probably anywhere from like 8 to 15 is is pretty realistic for for jeremiah usakoromoa and and for a outside linebacker to get into that sort of role uh, in that draft position man is he going to get paid so uh, make sure that you give some residuals and and uh, a little shout out and throwback uh, a little bit of money to your favorite podcast, Jeremiah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so th- those would be my four. How about yourself? All right, I'll start with number four. I went with a guy who got beat once in the game. He got beat in the air, but he had a great comeback. Uh, Nick McLeod, four tackles, ended up with a pass deflection and a huge interception. A really nice one. Um so he, he gets my four horsemen. He battled in that game. He was by no means perfect, but I was impressed 
um, with with what he was able to do, and uh, and that's basically that. Number three, I went with Michael Mayer too. Um, this kid is just unbelievably fantastic. Um, according to our good buddy Connor McQuiston on Twitter, who puts together the total EPA for every player, uh, Michael Mayer was third in the game. Uh, he had five receptions for 73 yards and a touchdown, and a beautiful touchdown reception, by the way. He jumped up and beat two guys to that ball. Wasn't a particularly great throw from Ian, but hey, he made it work. Uh, two for me is Ben Scrol. Can you can you help me out with this one, Steve? Scroronic. 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 Yep. Scroronic. It's uh, there's too many K's in there for me for me to be comfortable. Um, <laughs> this kid, not kid, I suppose he's probably older than I am. Um, he's uh, it broke out today. Boy, two receptions, 107 yards, and two touchdowns. Second in total EPA. Um, fantastic. I thought he was great on both plays without him. That game could have looked a little differently, and I'm glad we got to see that breakout uh, for him because it'll be very important going forward to get someone on the wide out to be that guy. And if Ben can do that, I uh, showed good hands today. I thought uh, great in open space. So that, that'll be the way to go. And number one for me, I actually think you undersold him a bit. I'm going Ian Book by a country mile here. You said B plus, A minus, maybe an A. I will go as far as saying that was an A plus performance. And let nice. me tell you why, Steve. Now, I will caveat all of this first. He wasn't perfect. We know that. You know, his, his throwing percentage was only a little over 50%. He missed some reads. That's going to happen, right? You're, you're not going to get a perfect performance. A lot of these stats are also driven by Ben's big touchdown run, right? That was that big catch, that 7 yard reception, did distort data a little bit. But the data is so good on Ian Book that I could not pass him up. So let's get into QBR, our favorite stats, scored out of 100. Ian Book scored 95.5, sixth in the country. For retrospect, we were asking for anywhere in the low 70s or 80s to be fine. Or high 70s, low 80s. He almost hit 100. Fantastic performance from Ian Book. Uh, in terms of total EPA, he led everyone by a country mile. He added, and this is a little mind-blowing, Ian Book himself added 22 expected points. Wow. Just himself. That's his, huge. His, it's, it, it's everything. It was passing. So particularly with passing, you could see um, this stat was given out by Knowles Analytics, the FSU guys. Now it's passing as a whole, so minus three pass attempts from, from Clark. But Ian Book was averaging somewhere between, uh, we'll say, 0 0.454 EPA per play. To give you guys a reference, because I know numbers are just numbers and that's hard to understand, that is to a borough level from last year. Our passing game this last game against Pitt, mm -hmm. was near the level of a Heisman. That's, yeah. to me, so exciting. Um, it's it's uh, It goes to show what he can do in the air, and he was also good on the ground, right? He uh, he added some yards there, too, and extended some drives. I'll, I'll let you jump in. Yeah, just to amplify your point even more, with the 0.4-some-odd EPA, yep. remember two weeks ago when we had, <clears throat> we had the big win and our running game was at .3 and passing game was at .3. And we said at that point, if Ian Book is a .3 or better against any sort of uh, superior teams, that means we are winning that game. So the fact that he's an entire point above that, like huge. That I didn't see that stat and I, I wish I had. Good memory on your part to, uh, to remember that stat there. But yeah, that's exactly it. .3 is a very good number for Book. Point four and a half. I, like I said, that's Joe Burrow level from last year, guys. So I know this. Don't be fooled, as the ND stats guys say. Don't be fooled by the by the completion percentage. He wasn't perfect. He missed throws. That that's not what we're saying. But on terms of production that he added 
and the efficiency he added, superb performance from Ian Book. I thought he was, uh, at that level, not many teams in the country are going to beat us, but he doesn't need to be at that level either, right? He doesn't need to be our Heisman candidate to to, to win games. So uh, those are my four horsemen. Um, unless you have anything else you want to jump in on, uh, I say we move over to uh, your favorite segment, Juice in My Nuts. For sure. And uh, it's, again, my one of my man crushes uh, that I've been I'm, – I'm huge into the recruiting game, and they're, I'll give you the quick recruiting update. There isn't one yet, and when there is one, we'll give you more. <laughs> um, but I, I, I love following the recruiting because it's indicative of the trends of the program. We've been so well the fa- last couple of years. And from Antioch, California, from De La, De La Salle School – Red-shirted freshman Isaiah Foskey coming in, blocking the punt with less than 20 seconds left, recovering it himself in the end zone. Touchdown. We go up 28 to three right there. And then that sealed the game. It was over. It was done. There's no fighting back from a, you know, we're, we're not giving up a 25 point lead. We're not the Atlanta Falcons. So that's it. Like that, that really juiced me up. I was, I was pretty fired up at that point. How about yourself? All right, we're not always on the same page because we've been so in sync lately that I picked two in as a backup for whoever you were going to take because I was sure you were going to take the Ben Skorenik. Did I get that <laughs> one right? Close. Close enough. Yeah. I thought you were going to take that touchdown play as your moment, so I was going to go with Michael Mayer's touchdown as mine, but since you vacated Big Ben's touchdown, it's just a lot easier, <laughs> I'm going to go with the 72-yard touchdown pass. I thought it was a basically a Hail Mary. I mean, it wasn't a good drive. Book just kind of threw that one up there. And you let your receiver beat the corner. No pass interference there at all, in my opinion. No. He just, he no. they were going up. He got underneath, picked up the ball, and took it to the house. I thought it was yeah. an excellent play. His, his hands at no point ever got extended. His arms never got extended. Their hands were on one another, hand-checking. His arm never extended. That is not PI. Exactly. No no push, no pull. Just just a, a, a good play. And um, And to me, that was the the coming out party of the long ball offense we've been crying for it. throw the ball down the field, back the defense off, right? That was the issue in the Louisville game. We, the defense was coming in on us. They were suffocating us a lot. Like the way Michigan plays, you got to take the top off the defense and that's how you do it. So for me, Tim, I hope that's a sign of things to come. And that's why it would put juice in my nuts for the game. That's an excellent point. And yeah, uh, being able to stretch the field will make or break the season. That's basically just the fact of it. So uh, for sure, that that was a really exciting moment that, again, hopefully we can build momentum off of. So um, I think we've we've talked pretty much all we could on, on Pitt. Um, kind of a rival. I mean, they consider us a rival, I found out, on their Wikipedia. We're listed as a main <laughs> rival. Uh, I don't think if, I think of Pitt as like a tier three rival. Like there's, there's tier one, which is like the, you know, USC, Michigan, you know, those guys. And there's tier two, which is like the respect history, you know, Michigan State, Navy, Stanford, Stanford, yeah. Stanford for sure. I like Stanford, you know? And then there's the tier three, which is like the Miami, you play you, Miami, uh, Boston College, Pitt, like those teams where we've played you a lot, but we don't like, mm-hmm. we don't care. Purdue so, technically. Purdue, that's a good one, too. Unless you're in the state of Indiana, nobody cares about Purdue. I hate to break that to you. <laughs> um, so we beat a rival, technically, um, mainly because they were independent. That That's mostly it. Um, so let's move into uh, the college football world at large. Did you watch any, or were you busy with some uh, you know, personal things or video games? Yeah, no, <laughs> it was uh, it was my future wife's birthday, so we, uh, we were out and about. I did 
<laughs> we went to like some sort of play act thing up in Maine, and then uh, the game, the show that we were at ended right at three thirty. I basically sprinted to the car, and then from there, I was uh, streaming the game from my iPad. So the gifts that I was taking were from an <laughs> iPad. You're, you guys are going to have to forgive me; they weren't elite this week. I'm surprised um, you even got any in. I was pretty, yeah. I was pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, I did what I could. Um, so yeah, I. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just completely lost out of the point. Yeah, but, just college football at large. Did you yeah, watch no, so I, I didn't get to, to, to you know, view too much of the landscape. Obviously, again, I'm scoreboard watching on my phone the whole time, but uh, that, that was the extent of it. I'll never, ever be able to explain to you the level of dilemma I had then on Saturday in the Penn State-Indiana football game. So as listeners of the show know, we do not like Penn State for reasons that are just extremely obvious to everybody. Um, And on top of that, they're just, you know, screw them. Um, But I put money on Penn State, and I had a whole big parlay dependent on Penn State. And overtime comes along, and I'm like, oh boy. Either they can get upset by Indiana, and that would be fantastic. That eliminates them from the college football playoff. Or I make money. And uh, I got to tell you, Steve, if you haven't watched that game, that's worth watching the highlights for. Um, Penn State gets upset at home. At home? No, on the road. They get upset on the road to Indiana. Um, it was unbelievable. Um, I don't know if you if you got to see this at all. I saw the diving play. I, I saw a couple of the highlights coming down the stretch with the touchdown pass. Uh, I think there was a two-point conversion in there, and then that, that diving touchdown was insane. So uh, there's one key bit of information there that I'll add. And for those listening at home, this is crucial. Penn State was up, um, I think it was like one point, um, with a minute and a half left. And their running back gets the ball. They're in the red zone. They're inside the 10. And he breaks through the line. And he gets to the goal line. And Indiana has been told to let him score. The running back realizes this halfway through the play tries to stop to kill the clock, instead accidentally crosses the goal line. So Hmm. Penn State scores a touchdown with a minute and a half left, but it's only a one-score game. So it's an eight-point game. That gives Louisville a minute and a half to tie the game, which they do. Sorry, it's the red. Thank you for for that. Indiana. I mean, they're both useless schools that nobody cares about. Facts. Um, But Indiana, thank you, goes down the field, scores, gets a miraculous two-point conversion that they were they were honing in on him and then in overtime the balls of the coach to go for two after penn state had scored for the game and uh and that was very controversial so highly recommend that that's just an excellent game in in how to manage clock so the reason i bring that up is um go down on the one yard line that's Hmm. what you're supposed to do todd Gurley also learned that earlier today oh did he yeah, have, the NFL is dead to me for now because of my team. Yeah, uh, well, this was—I almost literally n- never watch the NFL just because I only care about the Steelers. I don't—I'm not a, like a huge NFL stand for by all, any means. I was just at my buddy's house watching Red Zone, just shooting the shit, and uh, I saw the end of that game simultaneously split screen with the Steelers. So, uh, big mistake by him. Wow. Well, there you go. So this has happened twice this week. Um, that's something to keep in the future, guys. Anyone who wants to be a coach. Uh, that's something to keep an eye on. And also always go for it. Balls. Indiana won that game because they went for it in overtime when they didn't need to. So Michigan also thrashed Minnesota. That was a a good game to start. And then I'll tell you what, guys, uh, Michigan looks pretty impressive this year. 
Um, defense was good as ever. Offense was extremely efficient. Um, so that's one to keep an eye on in terms of the Big Ten, because as we've talked about, the Big Ten could cannibalize itself. So one last thing, of course, is the uh, little game we got going. Uh, you and I picked the same teams this last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went three and two. And our colleague, Mr. P. Wagon, went two and three. Now, here's the big thing. Steve, you are within, if I can recall correctly, and I got the Excel sheet up here right now, you are within one game of P. Wagon. Is this, don't starting, call it a comeback, baby. <laughs> after starting about 0 and 700, you have managed <laughs> to catch P. Wagon uh, for second in the lead. You've broken 500. Big congrats to you. And with that said, let's get into week nine. We've picked five games. We want you guys at home to play along with us, see if you can do better than, uh, than Steve and myself. First game, a rivalry game, Michigan State going to Ann Arbor to play the Wolverines. Who do you got there? I hope that I am wrong with this prediction, obviously. Uh, Michigan State just looks terrible, man. I'm sorry. I, it's not that I think Michigan is particularly great. I think they're very good, but I don't think they're great. Uh, but Michigan will win just because I think little brother state is just pathetic. Um, next up. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. What? What's no, your pick? Right. I, I got way yeah, out of my skis there. That's all right. You're just excited because this podcast is growing, guys. Let's get us to 700 followers. We're loving it. Um, <laughs> uh, P-Wagon took Michigan State. Um, and uh, I'm going to be the, I suppose, the rubber, the rubber match here. I'm going to go with Michigan. Um, they burned me last week. I think State is going to cover the line, which is about 25, I think. Um, I don't think it'll be that bad of a blowout because they did lose to Rutgers, which is hilarious to say out loud. Uh, (laughs) But I I think in a rivalry game, they'll play Michigan tight. So the next game uh, is an AAC matchup, a big one too. Memphis is going to Cincinnati. I think it's Cincy. Uh, Memphis is a good program, and they've had some good coaches come and go over the last couple of years. They're definitely on the rise. I think they're definitely on their way to being a perennial nine-win or or better football team. Uh, But all things considered, Cincy is the real deal, I think. Uh, They're pretty damn good, and I think they're probably going to end up possibly going undefeated in the AAC. And if they do, and they are AC champions, and however wins they have, if they're 11-0, 12-0, whatever it plays out to be, going to be real interesting to see how that comes out in the uh, you know, in the playoffs, in, in the playoff picture. So I am all I, here for 11-0 Cincinnati taking 10-1 and Ohio State's playoff spot. I love that, that idea. Wait, wait. Is the Big Ten playing I don't even know. 11 games? I think they're only playing eight games. Eight games and then the... Which is why I think they're just invalid and frauds, but that's another discussion. Yeah, I think they have to run the table. We were talking about that earlier, um, but we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, I'm going to go with the Lee Corso here and say not so fast, my friends. Woo! I'm taking Memphis. I think Memphis is a, has for a while been a, a wild card team. They've scored a lot of points. This conference is absolute bananas. I think Memphis is going to pull it off. Uh, P-Wagon thinks it's Cincy uh, with you, but I'm going to be the odd man out here. I'm going Memphis. Got to be a little risque <laughs> with my picks. And that brings us into the Battle of the Tigers. LSU is going to Auburn in what is the dubbed most disappointing SEC programs of 2020. Uh, <laughs> LSU is 2-2. Two and two, Auburn is 3-2. and two. Must win games for both of these programs. Uh, what do you think here, Steve? Um, 
again, because I think it's a must win, I think LSU is going to take this here. They were just too good last year, and obviously they lost talent, and the obvious being Joe Burrow, but um, yeah, I, I think they got an unfair shake to the start of the year. Everyone was a little bit rusty, COVID, the whole nine. I think they're starting to pick up steam and get momentum. They'll probably win out at this point. Uh, I think they're starting to look pretty good. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Obviously, the SEC can cannibalize in a moment's notice, but but LSU, I think, definitely uh, is is going to be taking this game just because I don't see Bo Nix passing up and down the field against you know this uh, this LSU defense. They they do play Alabama though, don't they? This year they are in the same division. Uh, I don't know. Their their divisions are <laughs> weird. They're they, they, yeah. They they go cross division like kind of in strange ways. So I'm not going to pretend to know their schedule. <laughs> uh, P wagon goes with Auburn, and uh, I'm going to side with you on this one, Steve. I think the LSU Tigers are going to edge it out. The offense is uh, a little bit better than uh, than Auburn's, and I think that'll that is the new SEC anyway. So I think that's going to be the, the deciding factor at the end of the day. So we'll head down to the Big 12 in the most irrelevant conference ever at this point. Um, the 2020 Big 12 is not even worth having a conversation about. But here we are. Texas playing Oklahoma State. What do you think is going to happen here? Um, I'm going to do one of those things where I'm just willing something into existence that I want to happen. So horns up, baby. We're going UT. Yeah, this is one that you, P-Wagon, and myself are all oddly in the line with. And uh, we're all taking Texas. I don't know why, because they are a slight underdog. But you know what? Sam Ellinger's a good quarterback, I think. I think the Big 12 is a last possession kind of conference, and that is definitely true of Oklahoma State, who who uh, nicked by Iowa State last week. So I think Texas is going to pull that one off as well, so I'm with you. So let's get to the big one, or it was supposed to be the big one until uh, somebody got upset huh. by Indiana, not Louisville. Pardon my, I guess, we call that a Freudian slip or just a, a general slip. But uh, college game day, Ohio State Buckeyes are going to the Penn State Nittany Lions. Who do you got? Again, rooting for something into existence. But I think there's definitely some uh, intangibles to back it up. But I think Penn, <clears throat> excuse me, Penn State is going to take this one. And I'll tell you why. They just got absolutely embarrassed, and they are going to be laser-focused on knocking out Ohio State. They know that they're not going to make a playoff, but at the very least, they can make sure that no, no one else can. And I, you, would they consider Ohio State rivals at this point? If if sure. if they are not on paper, they definitely are. Just in recent years, they've both been really good programs. So, um, you know, Penn State, I'm rooting for you. So therefore, I'm rooting. I'm, I'm taking you, so I can root for you with whole, you know, a, a whole heart. And I, I think because their backup is up against the wall, I think they're going to come out, you know, guns blazing. I, I think that's a very good point, and uh, P-Wagon agrees with you. He's going Penn State as well. Uh, very surprising that the two big underdogs there, but if this was in Happy Valley, as they call it, I would give them a shot. But Ohio State is too good. Uh, Justin Fields is too good of a quarterback. I'm going with the Buckeyes. I think they're a menace this year. Uh, I think there's a clear top three between Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. And, uh, and the fourth team is up for grabs right now. I think that could be the Irish. But uh, it won't be the Nittany Lions, I'll tell you that. So, the game, um, uh, just for what it's worth to interject quickly, it is a 7.30 p.m. game in Happy Valley. But 
not a full stadium. Very true. Which did, basically, did, what did I say? Because I thought I I meant to say that if there was a full stadium, then I would okay. take Penn State. All right. Um, I am misspeaking a lot tonight. My my bad, guys. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I think Ohio State is gonna go there and win, uh, barring a last minute decision of the Pennsylvania government to allow everybody to go in. Uh, yeah. Which is kind of what I'm hoping Indiana does for November 7th. Uh, <laughs> unless you got anything else to talk about around the world of college football, I say we could get into this week's matchup, Georgia Tech. What do you think? Um, so I, if from my understanding, Georgia Tech, and I don't know too much about the program, admittedly, but in recent years, they've gotten out of the wishbone offense into something a little bit more traditional or a little bit more upbeat with the new game, correct? That's what I've heard, Yes. Okay, so it's nice to see them graduate from the 1930s in terms of their offensive output. Um, <laughs> but all things considered, uh, I just I don't fear any team at this point, um, not even Clemson, just because of how awesome our defense is. I, so I, I just fully expect the defense to show up, to ball out, pay Clark Lee $10 billion. I don't care how much it keeps it takes to keep him on campus because he is so incredible. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think defense dominates, and then it's just up to our offense to make the plays, make the adjustments, and keep rolling with all the positive improvements we've seen this week. How about you? Yeah, I think uh, Georgia Tech is a very interesting team this season. Um, they are 2-4. and four. They've beaten uh, Florida State first game of the year, and then they beat Louisville pretty handedly, if I recall. And their losses have come to UCF, Syracuse of all teams, and uh, Clemson by literally 60-some points. A billion. <laughs> yeah, it was 72-7, to seven, I think, that game. And then they beat Bo- or the, sorry, they've lost to Boston College, um, and they're on a two-game losing streak. Um, so that's interesting. Kind of like Pitt, they've, they've started well, and they've slid back a little bit. Um, fun fact, Notre Dame has played Georgia Tech uh, quite a bit in history. We have a 28-6-1 all-time record against them. I believe part of that is because they were independents for a long time as well. They are, of course, the team that Rudy made his sack in, in the movie Rudy, and in real life. Um, so the spread for this game is roughly uh, 20 to Notre Dame, uh, depending on, on what odds makers you like. I thought that's kind of low. I thought just given the way Clemson brutalized Georgia Tech, I thought Notre Dame's spread would be in the 30s, um, just because you know we played well against Pitt, and they've put up, you know, they've given up 72 points. Uh, but that's not the case. So... Uh, quick preview of the games here. Uh, if you look at SP+, plus, Notre Dame is 7th in the country still. 18th in offense, which is kind of an inexplicable sl- slide after last week, but it's probably where we deserve to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ninth defensively uh, versus Georgia Tech, who is 64th uh, overall and 60th both offensively and defensively. Huh. Uh, Notre it's not good for them right now. Uh, <laughs> Notre Dame is averaging 35.6 points per game. And we are only giving up 9.8, which I said earlier is the second best in college football right now behind Marshall among teams who've played more than one game. Uh, Georgia Tech, on the other hand, has given up 41.2 points per game. Granted, a lot of that is the Clemson. And then uh, they've only scored 22.8. So FPI gives Notre Dame a 94.2% chance of winning the game. That is outrageous. Uh, and uh, and that's kind of where we are. So when I read that to you, uh, and you kind of see where Georgia Tech is this season, 
Does that make you feel good and safe, or does that give you the opposite reaction, as we Notre Dame fans tend to have, and are you worried? So I will be worried if we don't cover. Right. So uh, even with the 70-some-odd thousand points that was put up uh, by Clemson, um, you're still, if you if you take that game away, I'm sure in the rest of their games, they're averaging giving up five touchdowns a game. They're probably in the mid-30s uh, in, in regards to average points per game against teams other than Clemson. So if we can't put up at least five touchdowns, if we can't get at least 31, 35, 38 points on the board, uh, and then if we, I, I fully expect us to hold them to 10 points or less just because of the way we've been trending. I mean, geez, this friggin' defense, man, is, is unreal. So uh, I, I don't think it's a doubt that we win. Uh, I know that's a little bit cocky and, and you know, <laughs> got to get that knockout there. Um, but everything is is hinting towards us really uh, putting us banking to him. So it's going to be imperative that Brian Kelly keeps his his mean streak alive, you know, step on their throats, done being the nice guy. Like, let's go out there and just beat this team in submission. Like, I don't want a trap game. I want a 45-point victory so that we can just have confidence and roll directly into this Clemson game with freaking low-hanging nuts, man. That's, <laughs> that's my thoughts on my end. How about you? Well... I, I put this out on the podcast Twitter account. Follow us at Horseman Pod. We are on the path to 700 followers. Uh, we're growing like wildfire. We can't thank you guys enough. But I, I put out a poll and a question uh, for, for the listeners. Five games into the season, how are you feeling now relative to how you felt before the season began? And uh, options were feeling better, feeling worse, or feeling the same. Uh, and then... In terms of results, 42% of you feel better, 5% of you feel worse, and 53% of you feel the same. So personally, I voted feel the same. I thought this is kind of what I expected the season to be. Not as inconsistent, but the same kind of feeling. I'm surprised 42% of people think better than they thought. I wonder if maybe they just didn't expect Notre Dame to be super super well this year. What did, what did you think on that one? I voted to be better. I, that that we're doing better, yeah, and and I'll give you the reason why because uh, my main concern I knew that we were going to have backs and an offensive line that could move the ball. I knew that our passing game was going to be a little suspect because we've lost some great receiver talent, and you have to without COVID practice and without spring practice because because of COVID more accurately. Uh, sorry for misspeaking. Don't give me a one star review. Um, the the way that things kind of play out here is. Yeah, the offense is doing exactly what I I thought they would be. The defense we knew was going to be awesome. We knew you couldn't pass the ball against this team unless you dink and dunk. More so than anything, the defensive line has really clogged up the middle of the field. They have not let up big runs whatsoever. They've got penetration. They got tackles for loss. Um, if you try to go outside, j- the Joker will assassinate you. It's just <laughs> so so. The fact that we've been stepping up so well against the rushing, uh, you know offenses you know against us it has just been uh, such a pleasant surprise and makes me think if someone like Travis Sentien uh, that we're playing maybe we can bottle him up and then make them a, a you know kind of a, a one trick pony and and then at that point you know all of our hope is in Kyle Hamilton <laughs> so um so yeah that that's why I'm feeling better because I thought that we were going to be a, a bit of a sieve in the run game but we have not proven to do so so we're better than what I expected that's a good point um and I'm glad that people have changed their their tune from last week where it was 
doom and gloom. If you recall, 40% of people thought that uh, it was a sign of things to come, the Louisville performance. So it seems that people are week to week in uh, in their emotions of the team, which is fair enough. Um, but it does look like it's a one-hit wonder uh, so far. So another part of that is I asked you guys, what do you want to see from this Irish team against Georgia Tech? What would make you feel confident heading into Clemson? And I promise to get you onto the podcast for the most creative, the best answer. So I'm going to go with uh, Tim Gale on Twitter, at TGMBT Gale Gale. Very interesting Twitter handle. Um, <laughs> we need to score at least 50, and Book needs to see the open receivers and keep his eyes upfield when stepping up in the pocket. The line needs to dominate and play some freshman talent at wide receiver. Do you think that's too high of a threshold for you, 50 points? Uh, 50 is, is a bit high. I'd say 40, um, I think is going to be a great indicator. I would like to see a, a bit more timing routes with book to his guys, because it, a lot of the time it feels like it's more so drop back, go through the reads. Is that guy open? No. Is that guy open? No. Okay. Shit. Internal clock. Got to run. Right. Uh, I would like to see some more routes where you have mayor or, uh, or, 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 Oh, oh, here we go again. Another bad review. Um, <laughs> or Tommy Tremble uh, break out on a flag route, you know, like a like a 10, 15 yard flag route onto the outside and, and just drop a, a dime into the bucket. Right. So if, if we can get guys open into space, we're going to be good. Um, I think that's going to be a testament to whether or not we can be successful long term. Yeah, so, I don't want to. I don't want to pigeon our pigeonhole ourselves into a certain point threshold we need to reach. Like, because what if we're at forty eight at half, and then the backups come in, and we just stay at forty eight? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's. I I don't want to say we need to hit a certain number, um, but I, I do appreciate that that comment there. Um, Tim Sullivan at Sully Four ND. I love that. Uh, says if our D plays this good, maybe we can hold them to twenty points. Speed is the key. ND versus Clemson, ND 24, Clemson 20. So he's looking ahead a little bit. Uh, but we're getting some spicy takes early. We're not even to game week, and Tim Tim thinks that we can beat Clemson uh, if the D plays is good, and I, I do agree to him to a certain extent. So any game score predictions from you, Steve? Uh, huh. I'm going to go with 41-7. We'll give up a touchdown. I don't think it. <laughs> I don't think we're giving up much more than that. Damn, this defense is good. Um, yeah, I, I think we're definitely going to be uh, hovering. I, I think we're going to get at least five touchdowns in. You know, Kyron Williams has been a machine. He runs hard, and uh, yeah, I think all things considered, we're going to be pretty well balanced in the attack. Uh, we're going to be stout on defense, and I think we're going to pretty much walk away with this one by halftime. Yeah, I agree for the most part. Although something has to be said, whenever we predict big offense, we get little offense. And then whenever we predict little offense, we get big offense. So hopefully that's not a trend that we get here. But I'm going we're gonna, 48. We're going to win 3 to 2. <laughs> Playing Georgia Tech in the 30s. Um, I'm going to go 48-10 Irish. I think this is going to be a manhandled game. I think Kelly is going to take out the starters early because Everybody knows what is on his mind. It's Clemson. It's the week after. He's going to want to keep some people healthy, which is why the hell was Braden Lindsay playing in the fourth quarter when he got hurt? I don't know. But I think he's not going to make that mistake again. I think you'll see Ian Book out of there probably at the end of the third quarter if all things go as well. And uh, and that'll be it. Um, 
they scored seven on Clemson. I'm sure they can get at least seven on us. Um, although our defense might be better. In fact, I, I think our defense is better. Um, but enough with the Clemson takes. We have to save that for next week when we have some special guests on. Uh, and the I don't know if I should say. Do you think I should say? Yeah, let's give him a little teaser. Let's, let's give him a little hint. Yeah. Let's give him a little yeah. hint. Um, both guys from at NDFB Analytics on Twitter, the ND Stats guys who are so intelligent and so uh, helpful with all the stats they put out there, so Cooper and, and Jack, are coming on the show next week to do a full, full Clemson episode. We're going to get it really hyped. We've got lots of things planned that week. Steve, can you contain your excitement for Georgia Tech Week, or are you already looking at Clemson? <laughs> Dude, I'm grinning ear to ear right now. I'm just so excited. Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, yeah, I just can't wait for us to build on and progress on everything because I mean, obviously the, the real excitement is, is around the corner. So this is more so of a business trip. Just go down there, get shit done. And then we have, I think some, how about you? That's it. And honestly, it's, uh, it's get this done, trying to get all my school done just so I can focus on Clemson week. It's so exciting. It's going to be the highest ranked matchup at Notre Dame Stadium since, I believe, Notre Dame USC in 2005. Now, don't quote we'll me talk. on that, but I believe that will be the, the probably the last time since the number one has come into ND Stadium. So, lots of, lots of excitement. Get through Georgia Tech. Please don't overlook them completely like we are. We're just fools. We're just amateurs. Hmm. Just fans. We're not analysts. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, just get through Georgia Tech, please, so we can have a big Clemson week, a uh, great episode, and a little something special for you guys that we can't say yet. Um, so with that being said, do you have anything else you want to go before we sign off? An extremely quick closing uh, comment I wanted to make. Um, if it is apparent or not, or abundantly clear, every once in a while I'll have a slip up of the brain. Uh, I have had nine concussions, so... <laughs> memory and focus are not two of my strongest suits. I have a, a lot of the knowledge kind of built up behind the, you know, in between the ears and it's in there somewhere, sometimes translating that from, from, you know, brain to mouth and getting it out is not always going to happen in the exact moment. So uh, just wanted to kind of put that out there. <laughs> well said. And, uh, and with that said, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot to us because we, we put some work into this. We do our research, and, uh, and we love doing this for you. We love interacting with you guys, and uh, that's the best part of my week. So hopefully you enjoyed this one. We'll see you for the next one, and uh, go Irish. Go Irish.